and welcome back to the Project Your Next Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with... The very sweaty Big Dave. <laughs> and if you're listening, you can hear that we have our biggest fan with us tonight. <laughs> Quite literally. and Because yep. uh, uh, it is uh, the end of May in uh, and Tennessee. It's already 90 degrees. And, and, and it's just going to get worse as, as the time goes on. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this episode... I need to hear... There we go. This episode... We don't have a single clue what we're doing. Well, it's let's just get into it. It's partially my fault. Well, no, it's just one of those things where we we just have we kind of run out of topics for one thing. We're kind of at the we're at the beginning of the summer when we're getting ready to get some more stuff like movies and stuff like that coming out. But we're also television is ending and it's just weird. Well, yeah. I'm also in the middle of I'm extremely distracted because one work is very busy. And two, my mom just decided to sell her house. Yeah, and, and if you know anything about uh, um, the the uh, retail market or in and around Nashville, then you know that if you put your house yeah. on the market, that it's going to sell. Yeah, she put her house <laughs> on the market and then had an open house and sold the house. She had an open house on Saturday and Sunday, and on Monday by noon, she had a contract on the yes, house and yes. it was sold. It didn't have and a place to go just yet. She does now. She does now. But it's yeah. going to have to be completely renovated. Oh, good. And so she's going to stay with you while... She's, no, she ain't staying with me. There's nowhere for her to stay with me. Your house is kind of tiny, so it's... Uh... Well, we went from 3,200 square foot down to a 1,200 square yeah, foot house. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big step down. And now I have had to go collect the last part of my life that was at mom's house and mm-hmm. move it to my house. Uh, it was either that or have it get sold in the estate sale, yeah. and that was not going to happen. It's fun. So. And then, of course, on top of it all, I've been trying to get a couple of houses ready for work. For rental. And it's just been yeah. the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, oh, by the way, everyone, thank you so much for enjoying our uh, episode about conspiracy theories and cryptids, <laughs> Crypt- because uh, you guys apparently really enjoyed that one. So uh, yeah, uh, that, was, uh, that was a I, lot of fun. I enjoyed recording it. And like I said, I think I said it in that episode, but it's like, that was completely off the cuff. Like, there wasn't any, oh, we're going to... I think it was very, fairly obvious it was off the cuff. Yeah, so. but it was still one of those things that, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. You can kind of see how my brain works. And <laughs> Last episode was kind of a peek into a, a part of my brain, is what, what that episode was. So if you can imagine living with that 24-7 plus everything else that's that's, like, bouncing around in there good on you because I, I've had difficulties in the past so <laughs> it's, it's a strange dark place in his head it really is I, I will not deny that um, so anyway yeah well, since I get, we don't have anything to talk about I fell down a rabbit hole the other day of you know how you get on YouTube to look up how, oh, to, yeah. how to do something and then you, you and wind then you, up and you see over else. in the recommended right I, I was looking up how to um set up something in zoom okay and over in the recommended was a live at daryl's house okay who was it it was cheap trick oh nice and i went down a um daryl hall and john oates rabbit hole um i could only do it for like 15 or 20 minutes at work because yeah i can justify that as a break right but when i got home um I got on YouTube on my Roku and went down a deep... What did you... Went through a bunch of live at Daryl's. Okay. Which they have some pretty interesting... He has some pretty interesting guests come on there, you know? Um, And 
Oh, um, Billy Gibbons. Back when Daryl was literally doing it at his house instead oh, yeah. of at the restaurant, he's set up to kind of do that now. Billy Gibbons <clears throat> is one of those dudes that, like, I don't think gets enough credit. No. At all. Uh, you know, really, oh, yeah, yeah, he's just a, a Texas blues guy. No, dude is a phenomenal musician. I well, mean, honestly, just, all three of those guys oh, is yeah. easy top are. But he, but he is a highly underrated guitarist. Yeah. I just... Unfortunately, he has an association with Nickelback. That, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of bands that we like that have unfortunate, un- have unfortunate, unfortunate uh, yeah, Nickelback uh, liking for Nickelback. I'm never going to understand that one. That's uh, and that's. I mean, and since, I think since I we fig- got nowhere to go, we'll, I think we'll just I figured go out why I, I why Nickelback irritates me. It, okay. it's, it's basically Chad Kroger himself. He's just I get it. he's yeah. just a overaged frat boy. I get it. Yeah, you know it's. I mean, he's a super overage frat boy. Everything when, he does is like frat boy. When their first album came out, two thousand, I think it was. Uh, you know, they, they people before um, the one that had "How You Remind Me." Yeah, was on it. That they had an album before that, and I remember because they had a a, a hit hit ish song, you know, a radio hit anyway, like a rock radio station. It's called uh, "Leader of Men." Yeah. It's an all right song, but I mean, it is such a grunge throwback. It's not, I mean, literally, it was one of those things like, wow, somebody really listened to a lot of Nirvana. Now, those guys are from across the river, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You know, they're, they're Canadian, but they're not far from Seattle, you know. We play, and, gr- uh, we play grunge music, eh? Yeah, exactly. But, but so it's one, kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I get that. And then whenever, you know, How You Remind Me came on, I liked that song the first, I don't know, a couple thousand times I heard it. <laughs> yeah. And then it just got played to death. And then I heard more of the stuff on that album. And I was like, oh, this is crap. I mean, this is terrible. And I just... It's like, and oh, that it, sounds like that one. And then and it got worse, like and worse and worse and worse. And it's like, and I've told I've told several people this story. The first time I heard Rockstar... We, you've already talked about this. I don't know show. if I've... Yeah. Have I talked yeah. about yeah, it on the story? I, I did. I thought show. that it was brilliant. And like, then oh. you realize they were serious. Yeah, and then I was like, no, 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 idiots. You know, and, and then it was just on there. <clears throat> I like, legitimately like one Nickelback song. Which one? Um, this time. Okay. You know, it's an all right song. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it is. It, I'll tell you the same thing about that that I say about um, uh, Don't Stop Believing. You know, the Journey song. Okay. Great song. If somebody other than them did it, it would be an even better song. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, that that's... Okay. Uh, uh, and, and so that's kind of one of those... I don't know. I like that song. Yes, what? Yes. Don't Stop Believing? Yeah. No, Journey, man. Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> no. Corporate rock at its finest, man. Um, I, I've, I've only got one song of theirs that I, I really kind of like. And it's mainly because of the the kick drum and the tone on the kick drum and the way mm-hmm. it sounds. And I'm trying to remember right now what the, the name of the song is. <laughs> the name of the song is. Well, here's the thing. Uh, is that, burn it to the ground. Okay. The thing with, with Nickelback, they have the same problem that I have with other acts of their era, like Creed and Evanescence of they developed a formula really early. Yeah. And they've been riding that same formula for songwriting since. Yeah. I mean, it's just all three of those bands. And 
We can hate Creed for a whole other amount of reasons, but well, the thing about it is, is that Scott Stapp is the reason. To he's hate an asshole. Creed. I'm sorry, that that dude is. But just, the other guys in the band were actually really decent yeah. musicians. Well, they went and did Alter Bridge without him. Well, and, have you heard any of the Tremonte? <laughs> I, I I know. I actually heard that one song that you played for me. You talking about I know. heavy? I know, but it was one of those things that, like, you you know, the the problem I always have with Tremonte's guitar playing. Okay, is he again? It's that era of music. Yeah, I, I get that. No, and it's not that. And I'm not talking about the music itself. It's the gear. He uses those Paul Reed Smith guitars. Yeah, and those things have no soul whatsoever. Well, no, it's meant to. It's meant. I for, mean, it's a guitar for you to be able to put whatever tone you want it to. Exactly. Have. But the thing is, is that like, it's kind. Th- of, I don't know. It's what, kind of I've like played, the, I've played a few of them back in you, the day. You when, owned one. No, I never. I never owned a Paul Reed Smith. No, I never owned a Paul. What was Reed that Smith. thing you sold to Chris? Then that was an Ibanez. Was that an Ibanez? It was an Ibanez okay, yeah. never mind. Uh, which I never should have bought that guitar to begin well, with. Well, it looked like a. Paul oh, I Reed know, Smith. but it, but it was. Um, the thing about Paul Reed Smith is they are the Yamaha NS10. Well, of the, the guitars. thing with Paul Reed Smith when when they brought those when they first hit the market, yeah, they they marketed themselves as have all you know you can have. The, uh, a Les Paul and a, a Stratocaster sound with one guitar. Yeah. Well, what they did is that they didn't give you a Les Paul and a Stratocaster sound. They gave you a sound that is a bastardization of both of those sounds. <laughs> and it was like, no, this is like prime example. Um, Carlos Santana started using those things in the yeah. 90s. And you go and listen, and I know smooth and you know super, and all that stuff that was. But it's like you listen to his guitar tone there. It's not great. And he was a Gibson guy. And go back and listen to early Santana stuff where he was using those Les Pauls. Yes, and yeah. it's like that was a major step down there, my friends. Yeah, you know, I mean, just no soul. There's no soul whatsoever in those guitars. Might as well have made it out of aluminum. Yeah, I know. Which so, there's some aluminum there, guitars there some, out there. Yeah. But it's one of those things that, like, that that was, that with Tremonti, that was yeah. always my biggest complaint with him and well, his guitar tone and one, everything. It was a Paul Reed Smith right. going through a giant pedal board into a Mesa Boogie amp. Right. Which, don't get me wrong, I like Mesa Boogie amps. I like amps, Mesa Boogie amps. I like amps, the way they sound. But, but in order to... With, with my experience of messing, with the limited experience I've had with Mesa Bookies, and I've I've had limited experience. Like at one time, I really wanted to get one until I sat down and really started messing with one one day at a at a guitar store. Yeah, and I realized I can get exactly what I want out of this guitar if I want to put the hours in, or out of this amp if I want to put the hours in to find it. Well, I mean, you've got to and do that kind of with. A lot Kinda. of amps, but the thing is, is like the if thing you, about if you buy a, if you buy a you know, a JCM anything, you know Marshall head, yeah, and a, and a, and a, a or a Marshall cabinet, you know, you know what sound you're getting out of it. If you buy a a, a Fender Twin, Evil you twin. you know what sound you're getting out of it, yeah, you know. Uh, even when you get into like you know PVs or, or Roland or any of that kind of stuff, you kind of know you know what you're getting out of it. Now they're a little more flexible. I'll, I'll admit, like yeah. I have a PV cabinet now that yeah, I but love. You're, you're running a I'm running orange. orange, but the thing is, even with that orange, I knew what I was getting out of it, but it's tweakable on yeah. top of it all. So it's like okay, it gives me 
I don't have to do a ton to get what I want out of it, but I do have to do some work. What? Mesa Boogies, you have to do all the work to get what you want out of it. And it just depends it, 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 if you're willing to play with it. Yeah. And I'm always willing to play with an amp to see what I can get out of it. What Mesa is really known for is their low-end crunch. Right. That chunk-a-chunk-a-chunk that you're so used to. I know. And the really smooth, high-end lead stuff. There's not a whole lot of mid-range on those amps. No mid-range on those amps. Now, there's the area you you have to tweak with to get the mid-range out of it. There you go for any young young guitar players out there the mid-range on an amp will make or break you yeah honestly it will make or break your sound now you can get it out of a mesa boogie but you're gonna have to work with it to get Mm -hmm. it out of it but when you do Mm -hmm. wow oh yeah i know believe me there 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 are a lot of 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 acts that i really love that played through them yeah that's like oh yeah you know that i i I see uh but it is also one of those things that kind of like all those other amps that i said yeah you are limited in certain capacities. Like, you know, with, with a Marshall, you know what you're getting. Yeah. With you're, a Fender, you know what you're you know getting. You get, but you're not playing certain styles of music with either one of those. <laughs> yeah. And the Mace is the same way. It's like, yeah, well, you're not playing certain styles of music with this stuff. You're that saying? depends. With that Fender Twin, That's true. if you're true. able to get get a hold of one of those older Vox distortion mm-hmm. pedals, mm-hmm. you can get a whole new sound out of that yeah. Fender Twin. Yeah, but... That there's something special about that Vox, that older Vox distortion pedal. Yeah, they're about a grand now. So oh, have they gone up that much? They have gotten real. I tell you what, that's been one of the things that um, old like vintage. What? And when I say vintage, I'm talking about stuff from when I first started playing guitar. Now, yeah. you know some of the um, well, we're some old. of that stuff of like. I can't believe that people are like really looking for this. Like there is a line of, and I know you're not a big fan of the DoD stuff. But there is a but there was a line that was put out in the mid nineties. Um, they were always too top end. They they were mid, but they had this they had this line of of and I forget what they called it. It was an actual line of of stomp boxes, of effects pedals that they put out that had like weird like one of them was called grunge and one of them yeah. and like and, and they and they had like weird like these neon colors on them and stuff you know and yeah. it was like it was always a, those things are worth a mint now well you know why that is don't you they only put them out for a couple of years well no there's another reason a lot of these smaller studios mm-hmm. um and I, there, I know of at least two here in nashville are buying those stomp boxes and they're basically building a wall that has velcro on it and sticking them up there and sticking them on the wall yeah and then if they you know if they want to get some kind of interesting this is what weird. i'm going to use yeah it's well a, no they don't put it out in the studio they'll use it on anything vocals right you know and they'll just leave it on the wall and they'll just plug it in mm-hmm. to their chain yeah they'll patch it in yeah. yeah i know it's a but that was a which i was kind of a i was looking at that and was like that's kind of a cool idea yeah you know i you've known me long enough to see me like have a whole chain of stuff and then wind up back down to just guitar cord and amp it, it's funny because like, every time i see you buy like you, you'll go on a spree you'll right. buy like four or five pedals right and then you'll spend a month trying to figure out how to com- how the different combinations and how to do this and, and how then to do i'll that. be like well i don't really use this one i'll take this one. and yeah. eventually i'll wind up back to guitar cord amp and that's it it's funny because like i built that you know last year yeah that i pedal built board. a pedal board and i'm happy with all the stuff that i have in there yeah. Because it's one of those things. It's like, no, 
I need this pedal for something specific. I'm not using it all the time. Yeah. I need this one for something specific. I'm not using it all the time. And once I finally got to that, we're like, oh, I don't have to like try to figure out some kind of, you know, monster, you know, put together monster of all this stuff to try to, to get a sound. It's like, no, I like what I got going through the amp. I just use this for a specific part of a song or something like that. Uh, which is funny to to see some of those guys like uh, what's his name Jay uh, Jay Mascarid is that his name the uh, lead singer and guitar player for Dinosaur Junior. If you ever oh. if you ever see his 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 like uh, pedal board, it's as big as this table. Yeah, I mean it's just like yeah, what in the world? And it's one of those things. I saw him do a gig like do a, a rig rundown uh, on the YouTube channel, and he's going through. He's like, yeah, I use this for one song. I use this for and I'm like, how do you keep up with all of that? I mean, and on top of it, I was like, how do you not have a lot of signal loss? Because you get enough of those things chained together, and you start getting signal loss after a while. You know, you get enough of them yeah. in there. And uh, but yeah, it's just. Uh, but it, but it was funny to watching his his rig rundown was like. Don't they make like some stomp bucks? Um, they do. signal boosters yeah, or yeah, something. They, they've got some stuff like. And it was one of those things. Of, but watching that that yeah. rundown of his rig was why I went out and bought that big muff. Because that's all he uses for distortion. Yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. I've always liked his sound, you know. And uh, so I got one, and I'm still messing with it. But I finally got it to where I was like, no, I like this. This is a good signal boost. This is a, you know, type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what, that's for me as a guitar player, I'm really looking for more signal boost than anything when it comes to, you know. Yeah, because with you, louder is more. Yeah, but it's not necessarily that. I mean, yeah, you're you're right in some ways. Because every time uh, <laughs> I come in and I actually tweak out your amp and get you sounding good, I come back well, in with like two it's weeks. What and you think sounds good? <laughs> come back it's, in and everything's like turned going, back up to it's eleven. Not like I'm going over there and messing with your drums. Like I don't like the way his snare drum sounds. <laughs> Yes, but how many times have you asked me oh, I know. to mess with your amp I, and get you sounding good, and I get you sounding again, good? again, that also goes back to, and we've said this time and time again, I am very much a, let me have it, let me have it, let me have it, plug it in and just start start playing. Yeah, you know? you're, and you're, it's, <laughs> what, what's the guy that nobody can remember his name from Aerosmith that just sits over and plays guitar? Brad, uh, okay. Brad Whitford. Or okay, I'm that is. guy, because yeah. he, he's got his, his amp set up, you know, Okay, this has to be said here. This has to be said right. here. Right. No, you're um, Joe. <laughs> Joe Perry. <laughs> Joe Perry, where you just walk over you and grab turn an amp and grab a guitar and go. Yeah, I know. Turn everything up to whatever the max level is and go. In a lot of ways. I mean, I'm not a Joe. I'm definitely not a Joe Joe Perry player, you know. No, but, you're uh, a half uh, talent. Uh, well, all right. Nice. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's funny because they're talking about that. And again, if there's if there's anybody out there who's, um, you know, there was on Facebook the other day. I think Corey, who's been on the show before, yeah, uh, had put something on, shared something on Facebook. It said, you know, what's one lesson about music that you learned that you still carry with you? And think about that one, huh? It's like, wow, no, that's I, I, I know mine. I I 100 know mine. What's yours? Never stop learning. That's a good one. That is, I mean, that is, and the problem is, is that I stopped learning for a while, like for a long period of time, not just because I didn't play as much as I used to, but also the fact of I really got down on like, oh, well, I didn't learn how to play that 
I didn't learn I didn't learn this aspect of playing music whenever I was really enthused about it and I'm yeah. not going to do it now whereas and I know you've given me some crap about some of the guitar solo stuff that I've done recently but it's, you also have to think that more, that's more of that is just me know, trying to poke the bear that is one of those things where it's like you know at one point I could not do any of that stuff yeah, because I, I was letting my I was trying to approach a lot of guitar solos from which is funny because I'm terrible at math, but look at it from a mathematical of like, okay, this is where you do this, and this is where you do this, and this is where you, you do you this. You were trying to find the pattern and right. the formula. Right, and it was after I finally just said, screw that, there's not one, yeah. let me just play with this, and I just started playing, and it was like, oh, wow, okay, so this could have been here all along. So you along know? with Don't Stop Learning, um, Don't Stop Experimenting would exactly. be a good one for you. Um, the one that I carry with me is if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, that would never work for me because, you know, if I'm two hours late, that's early. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a lot better about that now than I was, than I used to be. Uh, that and warm up. Warm up is most definitely again as i get older yeah you know there's you and you and Corey and i were i don't know if you remember this conversation or not but it's it's a while back we were talking about hey maybe we ought to like you know do something musically to like for kids you know or you know teenagers whatever it is of like hey you know like music yeah. classes yeah. or something because we all have i mean you know, you and Corey both came you know, from playing in high school band, you know, marching band and stuff yeah. like that, and you both read music. And uh, I wish that was still true. Well, Corey I, still I, reads music. I don't you know. I, I and, can't read music like I did, and honestly, but I bet with a little bit of it would start coming back to you. It, with a little, say, I, I, I would I have literally not, have to take classes again to I have get to where I could do it again. Even attempted to read music, yeah, in a serious manner in probably since I was in junior high band. Because, like, uh, when I first started taking guitar lessons, the guy that I took from, took from spent the first year going through that stupid Mel Bay book, you know? And so and it was all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And what I would do is I would go home because I couldn't... I, sight reading has always been a problem for me. And it's, so, it's always been a problem for me. I've never been a good sight right. reader. I've always so, had to have time to work it what i would do is i would go home for the week and i would memorize the song how to play it i wasn't actually learning to read the music i just i would memorize how to play it the biggest thing that i would look at the music the actual sheet music for was the timing oh this is a quarter note this is a suspended half note this is a you know whatever it's just dotted quarter you know dotted half note whatever it is you know it to where it was like so i would get so that was the only thing that i was doing was just look at that i had no idea what those notes were on there because i was just i was just i was just i had learned to play the song and that's and i got by for a year of doing that yeah and then we started actually learning the stuff i wanted to learn yeah and i never looked back at reading music again after that See, sight reading was always my weakness. It, mm. And, you know, some people can, if, I, I'm joking when I called right. you a half talent. Damn. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah. You know, I I play well enough to get along. I'm not a great player. Well, it's, And part of mine is, you know, the sight reading was hard for me because if, 
I could have the music and I could take it home and I could have it and go through it at my speed and learn it that way. But actually have to, you know, okay, here's a new sheet of music. Let's go. Right, right, right. I, well, I was going to fail every time. I have, I have said what my situation is with that, which is kind of my situation with a lot of stuff in my life. It's, uh, and I, I call it the Shaquille O'Neal syndrome. Okay. Shaquille O'Neal, when he came into the NBA at 20 years old or whatever it was, you know, after playing at LSU for a couple of years, yeah. he was seven foot one and was a solid 300 pounds. He wasn't fat. He was just a yeah. big dude. And it was one of those things, you know, he came in like a force of nature because no one had seen something like that before. I mean, because I mean, really, you think about like centers in the NBA prior to that. They weren't. Well, the biggest you dude. Would get, you would get dudes like Manute Bowl, okay? Yeah. Who was like, as far as a center, you know, as far as like the, the technical stuff, he was a good shooter and yeah. stuff like that. But he couldn't block out for anything because he weighed 200, 200 pounds or something. He was skinny as everything. The closest you had to Shaquille O'Neal in, in that kind of thickness and athleticism right. up to that point had been Barkley. But he wasn't a center, though. No. That's the thing. But you know, you no. look at you look but at the I classic mean, that, centers just, prior to him. You're that's looking as at, close as you were going you know, to get. You're looking at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah, who again was not Tall a small guy, but he was he was much thinner than yeah. than Shaq. You know, you're looking at a, a Wilt Chamberlain or a Bill Russell. You know, those guys usually you know, if they're tall, they're right. they're skinny and they're lanky. Shaquille O'Neal was a man. I mean, like this monster is going to kill me you know because he's so big you know types of you know if you were a, if you were a guard and you were trying to get to the basket you're gonna to have to drive around the block exactly to get to exactly him. you know another one uh, um you know you, at, at that time in the nba you had um oh what's his name in new york um i don't know yeah you know who he is a jamaican dude um Oh, but you had you had Akeem Olajuwon in in Houston, yeah, and then you had oh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, no, yeah. No. You had uh, uh, the Kimbe Mutombo <laughs> yeah. that came in, you know, and played in Denver for a while. Not yeah. in my yeah, house. I love those commercials. Anyways, but anyways, you had this this giant of a person who could play. Yeah. The problem is, is that it made him a little lazy. It made him a lot lazy. He was getting by on just sheer talent. Is all the, the the talent that he had was and what he was size. getting by on. You know that kind of stuff. Eventually, they learned how to play him. That's when you heard about the hack a shack because people found out really quickly. Oh, he doesn't do stuff like shoot a thousand layups at practice because he's more concerned with going in and powering to the rim and doing you know, that kind of stuff. So that became a thing. Where Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, it was like, no, dude, late in the game. Fouling, put him on the line, make him win the game that way. He's not going to. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's the man that type still of stuff. can't shoot a free throw, right? And you know, and that was when you got you got him in L.A. That was what started the rift between him and Kobe because Kobe Bryant was a type of he was hey, a worker. Hey, we want we just won a championship. I'm going to go on vacation with my family for a week, and then I'm back in the gymnasium. Yeah, and I'm working towards the next season. And Shaquille O'Neal's like, no, I'm going to Miami and partying all summer. Yeah, and come back. 60 pounds heavier and out of shape, you know, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that was the... And still not able to shoot a free throw. Exactly, you know, and it's... It, so it's one of those things that, like, I've seen that with a lot of... I go to the athletes there, a lot of athletes that, that are just like, oh, well, until they hit the pros, they were all... They had always been... Vince Young, prime example yeah. of somebody that until he hit the pros, he had always been the best player on any field that he stepped on. And then he hit... Then, he, then you step on the field in the National Football League 
and you're like the 30th best player that's out there. Okay, and so let me circle this back around because you you were talking about you and your guitar playing and you call it right. the, the Shaquille O'Neal syndrome. I did not develop my talent that I had, that my natural talent that I had for that kind of okay, stuff. Okay, guilty. And I'm that's, guilty. And that's why I say I had the Shaquille O'Neal of, of I wouldn't have been world class, but I could have been a lot better than I was. It's just the fact that I was I was fine getting by on what I had, and then whenever I, I was challenged to do something else that I couldn't quite do, I would get frustrated and quit and quit. Yeah, see, I'm and I'm was, very guilty. Mm, it, all you got to do is practice. Yeah, I know. Eventually, you're going to get there, you know, and type stuff. And I'm still kind of guilty with that. Oh, no, I'm totally guilty because I've got a bass at home that <laughs> I was trying to learn, and I got frustrated, mm. and now it sat in my office. And Dave can tell you this. I am not a bass player. <laughs> you don't I exact, have one. You don't exactly have rhythm. I don't. I admit that. And You've um, got a little bit of white boy syndrome. A little bit. Um, <clears throat> dead white boy syndrome. Uh, so... <laughs> I admit it, but it's also one of those things. Base, I've always said with bass players, they're born, not made. Well, honestly. Most rhythm players are. I know. I mean, it's just kind of one of you. I know you don't believe it, but I have many, many times, and of all of you out there listening that, that don't know Dave, Dave is one of the best drummers you will ever play with. Dave just doesn't believe it is the problem. So it's like if he screws up one time... He's like, oh, oh man, I can't believe I messed it up. I was like, dude, nobody knew that except for you. Okay, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Dave has that. If you know drummers or, or players, especially, <laughs> there are two types of drummers. There are metronomes and there are feel guys. Actually, there's three. There's three types of drummers, and then there is that that rare person that you find that's both. That is a metro who is on beat, solid, not wavering, but also has the feel to be able to work in that. Dave is one of those people. Yeah, if you say no, so. you are. I you are. It, yeah. And that's. Uh, I mean, that goes back to that time we were up at the studio in Hendersonville, and me and um, James. James, who by the way is playing in Hendersonville uh, in that square by Barnes and Noble uh-huh. this Saturday at oh. nine thirty. If you guys have never heard of a band called The Close, okay. um, our friend James McKinney is a part of that, and you really should you go check out the band The Close. I don't have anything going on this weekend. I may have to go up there and see I that. I think me so. and Renee are going to go okay. up and, and watch know. the we'll show. Because yeah. uh, I haven't seen James but, in years. Hey, do me a favor, guys. If you like, um, if you like music and you kind of like the laid-back stuff, go check out their Facebook page. I think they're on Instagram. Some of, it's called The Close. Go out and blow their page up for them, yeah. just as a, no as, a yeah, I'm in. as as hey, a favor I to me. I, uh, again, I haven't seen James in years, but I remember yeah. like when Fluid Tuesday and even when yeah. he had a James McKinney band, those guys were good. James is a player. Yeah, and you he want to talk is. about a you want to talk about the guy plays guitar, he plays well, bass, he plays keyboards, but he what plays I was, everything. But what I was getting to is that when we were sitting in that studio and you were laying down that drum track, yeah, which was funny because if you know anything about drums, the drum kit that was in the studio didn't have any cymbals. <laughs> <laughs> it had hi hats. It, it had hi hats, but it didn't have any cymbals. Didn't have a ride. It didn't have crash. Didn't have any of that stuff. And it, it had was it one tom? It had two toms. It had the floor tom, and it had one tom mounted, right? Yeah. And a snare and a kick, and that was it. 
and Dave was sitting in there laying down the drum track for this song, and we weren't. Oh, dude, we weren't even into the hardly into the first verse of you playing, and McKinney looks over at me and goes, "He hasn't missed a beat." I'm like, nope. And we were sitting there, and he got into the got into the chorus and into the next the next verse, and he was like. Dave still hasn't missed a beat. I was like, I know. And then Dave missed a beat because Dave got to watching us talking in the control room and got self-conscious. <laughs> and <that> was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. You got to put me in a windowless room, guys. <laughs> but until he, until he started thinking about what we were saying, Dave was just right on it. Now, at the same time, I was trying to lay down a guitar track, and Dave had to be a human metronome, literally sitting in the control room, like moving his hands up and down. This is the beat. This is the beat. He cannot follow a click track to save his life. Nah, click track's got no soul, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's not supposed to have soul. It's supposed to give you a guide for you to wrap the soul around. So I always say that's why I have you. We ever go into a studio to record? You and I are going to record together. I'm sure they'll have us in separate rooms, but we'll be recording together. And then it's one of those things. Like I know Dave's going to be on beats. I can come back and play with that. That's not an issue. So it's <laughs> one of the things that I, that I know. We're just all talking music, which is cool. We haven't done this in a while. Um, one of the things that if. Again, if there are any young guys or or or, or gals, either way, um, definitely girls. We need more girls in rock. Do. We absolutely do. Please, um, if if you're a girl, make somebody go buy you a guitar. And, absolutely, and, and get you some lessons. A guitar, not a bass. Get a guitar. No, we need some bass players That's too. Fine, we but, need you know, some but drummers too. That was the too. thing for the longest time was that you would see like girl bass players. Yeah. You saw that all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to play bass. Dude, learn to play guitar. Uh, it just, well, you know. Well, if you learn to play guitar, you can kind of learn to play bass. It's eh, kind of. But, anyways, for anybody, male, female, non-binary, whatever you want to be called, uh, it's one of those things where when you, when you were learning, or when you learn to play guitar, one thing that's very important that you need to do is to record yourself playing however you know it, and then go back and try to play with it. And I don't mean like record a rhythm track and then go back and try to play lead. I mean, no. Go back and try to play along with that rhythm track the exact way that you played it yeah. the first time. Uh, it's not as easy as you think it is. And I will say this. If I didn't learn to do anything else, I did learn that neat trick. Uh, because it's one of those things that a lot of time when you're recording you're going to have to go back and double stuff or you know or any number of things you know it might be one of those things where like you know okay you, you may have to go in and record three different guitar tracks you know like one of them where you're just playing the rhythm and then another one where you're coming back and you're doing arpeggios on the one and the three or maybe the the, the two and the four whatever however it is that goes you where you're going to have to come back and you're going to have to be able to play along with yourself yeah and know your the way that you play that is very important to be able to do, so that you're so you're not like because studio time's expensive if you're in a studio, and if you and take it from me, if you're sitting at home by yourself recording and doing that kind of stuff and you can't get it right, it will not take long before you're ready to throw that guitar across the room. Okay, <laughs> I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. It is. I mean, it, if nothing else, learn to be able to double your your parts within a couple of tries. If nothing else, you know. And that's something that even still amazes me sometimes when I sit down and do that. And yeah. I'll go back and listen to it. I'm like, wow, that's 
that's on. You know, I mean, like that 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 right there could go to you know that could be the double with no problems. You know. Yeah. Uh, so and again, not because I'm, I'm I'm so talented, but it's just it's a skill that I learned over the years. And it, which I I gotta ask you hmm. when we were walking through the house to kind of get things out here and get set up, I noticed you had your recording rig set up in the bedroom in there. Yeah. What, I haven't recorded doing? anything recently. I'll let you listen to the last couple things that I did. Okay. Um, it's one of those things that I, I like having it there because I can just... Just in case. I just grab the guitar and plug in and go. Did you, you ever know? send any of those tracks to Barry like I told you to do? No, I hadn't yet. So <sighs> I know. Well, the thing is, is I need to get into the... Um, we need to get him into our... Um, um, the Google... Um, Oh, I just need his email. Yeah, and I don't have his email, so it's if we can get him if we get him into that, then I can drop that stuff in there, and then he can go listen. You know, he can do whatever with it. Okay. Um, but yeah, as things are starting to open up again across the country, I mean, here in Tennessee, we're we're pretty much opened up across the boards now. Um, Davidson County finally dropped their mask mandate earlier this week, which yep. is May seventeenth. So things are really opening back up, and um, I can't wait to hear some live music. Um, it's just uh, it's something that that I have many times in my life kind of forsaken music. Of I think we all have. And, yeah, and and it's one of those things where every time that I get back in a room with people playing music, I remember, oh yeah, there there's and especially. If we're if I'm playing music, I'm like, oh yeah, this is uh, th- this is I-, I like this, you know, and um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, keep talking. I'm looking. For I know I'm I'm, 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 yeah. I'm stretching here. This is <laughs> sorry. I'm kind of ignoring I'm filling you. Time. I know. I'm like Dave, babe, over here. Hey, yeah, buddy, I know, buddy, I'm, buddy, buddy. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm conducting business while recording the podcast. Also, sorry. another piece of advice I would give anyone who's getting who's. I was like, you're good at giving advice, even if it's bad advice. Go ahead and keep... I'm great at giving advice to other people. I'm just bad at following my own, uh, or following anyone else's, for that matter. Uh, (laughs) One of the other things, and this was getting back to the... When when we were talking about, you know, you and me and Corey doing something, you know... Yeah, for... You know, for newer newer musicians, you know. Whereas it's, you know, Corey's dad was a professional musician. Yeah. Uh, like a really world class world class professional musician, and so Corey learned a lot of stuff firsthand from his dad, and then also with the fact of the band director you guys had. Oh was yeah, a, was a, a another world class dude, Jeff Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. and so it's one of those things that you know you guys. Came I feel from bad about of, some of the stuff we did to him when we were back in high school. At this point, you know, it's one of those things where you know you get through all of that stuff, and you guys you know have that that formal training there. And then, Mine could have been better than well, what it was because I, I Shaquille O'Neal it. Yeah. I'll admit it. But it's also one of those things where you got to have people like that to teach music, but you also have to have at least one person like me to teach music as well. Yeah. Where it's and this is and this is not something I that I came up with. There was a you know Penn and Teller. Yes. Okay. Teller, you know, in the act never says anything. Like that's that's his yeah. whole stick. Like he 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 works silently. He's done some stuff, you know. I, I I've seen him give interviews and or like you know do like um, uh, 
where he'll go and give a talk somewhere and stuff, well, you know. And, and he's talking, and, and he was on Big Bang Theory. I think we, he talked a little bit on that show. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. So it's it one was of those hysterical. Oh, I know. But but he was one like there was a there was a letter that another magician, like a, an amateur magician, had shared several years ago that he had received from Teller. Uh, he was asking for advice about learning the craft and everything. And it had some of the most... It was one of the... I, I need to find this letter and, and, and link to it so everybody can read it. But it had some of the best advice I've ever heard about learning your craft. You know, Beyond just the you know practice, you know, and this and that and everything, he was like... He went into how he loved classical music. And he used his love for classical music and applied it to magic of that that passion that he had for listening you know it's like okay how can i through magic make people feel the way that i feel listening to classical music yeah you know and that kind of stuff and and that really is more of where i come from with like hey what's something you love that's not music okay what do you love about that okay what is the thing that makes you want to okay put that into the music you know that's the yeah. that that very much you know and then and, and that, i think that has a lot to do with that it's and finding your, your passion that in your environment has a lot to do with how your music comes out yeah and prime example of this think about what the beach boys sound like yeah where are they from well california okay think about what black sabbath sounds like Manchester, England. Exactly. Think about what California looks like and think about what Manchester, England looks like, especially in the late 60s. <laughs> and you know what? And there's a reason that you get those sounds. <laughs> and both of them are amazing. Right. Think about... You know, what, people make think fun about of the what Beach Boys. Seattle. I mean, people give the Beach Boys know, a lot no, of the, crap. The, the, but oh, what are you talking about? No, the Beach Boys are phenomenal musicians. There's a lot of people well, that will give... Excuse me. Brian Wilson is a musical genius. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Love Mike Love is a hanger on like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> okay, that took a twist. I wouldn't. You know it's true. Yeah. Um, but no, when you go back and you. Of course, everybody talks about pet sounds. Right. Everybody talks. But if you go back and listen, it's a perfect to some album. The, it's a perfect album. If you go I back mean, and listen to some some of the other stuff, oh, I know where they're just. They couldn't record separately. They, right. In order to sing and do what they were doing, they all gathered around one microphone, right? And did that, right? Pet Sounds was later in their career. Yeah, you know, uh, you go back, you know, because you're you're talking with with the Beach Boys. You're talking in those early days. You're talking about Surfing USA and California Girls yeah. and you know Little Deuce Coop and all that kind of stuff. When you get into Pet Sounds, yeah. That, That's that, what Sloop John B is on, yeah. and that I I love. Pet that Sounds song. is kind of their white album. It really, yeah, yeah. Well, that was really and truly what Pet Sounds is. Was Dennis Wilson going into, or not Dennis Wilson, um, um, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson going into the, the studio and saying, "My anxiety is too high for me to actually go out and perform any longer." Yeah. I'm going to work my genius here. You guys come back whenever I tell you I need you. Yeah. And he did all the stuff, and then he brought them back in, you know, to sing the harmonies and to do the parts that he couldn't do and all that kind of stuff. So that really and truly pet sounds is Brian Wilson 
and the Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, you know, we, we've talked about... It's funny, I was in the car with my dad today. You know, he had to drop his truck off this morning to be worked on, and we had to do a few things, so we wound up going and grabbing, grabbing um, breakfast, you know, everything. Okay. Went to, went to Lowe's, and I got back in the car, and I started playing that ACDC album you know that essential that i have you know yeah and he was like they were I was, we we're listening to it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll he's like is this a, is this the rolling stones i'm like no no no, 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 no. Like, this is this is acdc he's like oh okay and we just got to talk you know my dad my dad is you know my dad's a frustrated musician is what he is um and uh he all i mean he has been my entire life and it's one of those things well, where, i mean it kind of runs in your family oh, yeah. with your grandmother and all that Going back even further than that, but yeah, uh, my that, we've that talked. I about, know of. We, we've talked about my grandmother who passed almost two years ago now is in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's from that to you know my dad, my dad, and my uncle. Oh man, my uncle has got a sweet. It's a '68. Uh, Fender Jazzmaster. Oh, nice. I told the story before. It was stolen in the early seventies. Yeah, and he got it back like four or five years later because they found it in a pawn shop. Nice. The police got it back to him, and uh, he had it back during the holidays. I was asking him about it because I always ask him about it. Like, hey, where is that? Where is your Jazzmaster? You know, because I just want to yeah. go look at it. You know, he's like, well, it's at a friend. Of, a friend of mine has it right now. Who's um, um, has got a vault. You know, and uh, and he's also was doing some some work on it. Needed a couple little things on here or there. You know. Yeah. He's like, uh, I had it appraised though. And I was like, Can I take a guess? Six six grand, eight grand, too low. Uh, twelve. Not quite. It's it was it like ten five. Nice. Yeah. What color is it? It's white. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of neck? It's the maple neck. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful guitar. I've played it before. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a great guitar. I, I at one point, I was going to, if he wanted, because he doesn't play there, anymore. There is something about that white with the maple neck. I know. I know. I, that is my, I know. It, it's either that or that ice blue. That fender blue. Yes. I know. I know. Uh. Um, the, uh, the, the, I, I, at one time, probably about a decade ago, I was going to maybe make an offer on it. But even then, I knew it was probably going to be out of my price range. <laughs> and I, I really also knew that he didn't really want to get rid of it, you know. No. But but now that I, but I but when he asked, you know, he he, he was like, yeah, I had it appraised. I was like, ten. He's like, yeah, a little more, you know, just kind of <laughs> like that. I was like, uh huh. Uh-huh. I, I don't doubt that in, in the slightest, you nice. know. Nice. Uh, but again, it's one of those things. He bought that when he was a teenager. Yeah, brand and new. He, yeah, and he's had it ever since. Well, yeah. except for the few years that it was MIA. <laughs> you yeah. know? Anyways, so, you know, my uncle plays, and my dad played bass when they were teenagers, you know, type stuff. He'd have, I've seen my dad play bass like twice ever in my life. Okay. My dad took 10 years of piano lessons. I've seen him play piano one time. Ever. Hmm. I've seen him when he was a choir director go and sit in front of the piano with the music and uh, rearrange the parts for his choir because they couldn't like he, he didn't have enough you know sopranos or whatever yeah. and like do complete rearrangements of stuff on the piano like sitting there and like playing you know like the melodies out on the piano and, and, and everything and rewriting and doing all the arrangements and stuff 
haven't seen him do that in like 30 years but you know i mean it's one of those things it's like yeah. he has all the ability to do it but he just doesn't do it he doesn't do it again it's because he's a frustrated musician you know it's dad really wanted to be uh uh he wanted to sing in a, a gospel quartet and, but you know he got married really young and had kids pretty young and or had kid pretty young yeah and so it was like well i can't i've got to you know survive you know i gotta provide for a family i can't go be doing that kind of stuff and didn't mean he couldn't have done it his part-time i know but believe me i have i mean even even i will get out you know drumsticks and a drum pad and, and just when i was tap along when i was 18 years every old, once in a while 18 well, i guess i was probably about 19 years old when it's this a little happened. hard for me to practice because my kit stays set up over here yeah, so. i know well you just need to come over here and play somewhere uh but it was i remember i was, I was about 19 i was working i was cut me a part-time key. at school and i was i was young and dumb and had gotten engaged to somebody you know at 18 years old and you know this kind of stuff and Wait, yeah, and um, that was you were eighteen when we did that. I was eighteen when I got engaged. So, yeah, yeah, we'd been together about six months, I guess. And uh, we're talking about the same person, right? The only one that I was engaged to before my first wife. Yeah, wow. But that was a I met her right out of high school, and we had a kind of whirlwind romance. And wow, this is one I'm gonna be with the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that didn't that, Man, that lasted I about two years longer. Feel you know, really old. Again. Anyway, but it was one of those things that like, um, yeah. I remember because I was working for him. It was during the summertime, and we were listening to the radio. And it was some song, whatever. I was like, "Man, I really need to put a band together," you know, because yeah, this is what I wanted to do and everything. And my yeah. dad laughed. He goes, "You're getting married. Your days of that's over." And I remember at that point being like, "No." Yeah, that didn't make sense. And it wasn't and it wasn't me going, No, screw that, I'm not getting married. It was I don't see why one means the other one's done, you know. Yeah. Now I know that's a generational thing. And and we've all known people yeah. who have gotten well, into the music and then they wound up divorced later before yeah. all the stuff that happens with that, you know. Or just the fact sometimes people like I know somebody who is a professional musician. Yeah, that his wife just did not like him being gone as much. Yeah, as he was as as he got more and more gigs, she started getting more and more irritated with him being gone, and eventually they got divorced. Yeah, uh, cool thing is you know he's remarried now to a musician, and who gets it? Yeah, and you know and and they've got a really good life together, you know type stuff. But it's just and. and I don't know what other. I'm sure there was probably other dynamics involved there as well, but no, that was kind of more the, than likely. You know, yeah. there, it's never one thing. It's never one thing. When believe me, for someone who's getting divorced, who's gotten divorced twice, it's never one thing. <laughs> I'll have to take your word on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, and it is also one. Of those, it's very important. Here's again, we're given, and this is this goes across the boards. You know, again, if you're if you want to play music on any level make sure that whoever you're partnered with is not only okay with that but supportive, but supportive of it yeah. and not just giving you the oh yeah I'll support you in anything who really understands no this is part of what this person is made up of yeah 
And if they're not doing this, because they're not if, going to be happy. Because if they're not sitting at home playing mm-hmm. or out with a group of people playing mm-hmm. or actively gigging or... They're going to be miserable. Touring. They're going to be miserable. And believe me, I have I have known so many people who came off the road. Yeah. Or, 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 or not even just came off the road. You just had like a lull in their they're playing you yeah. know that wound up with serious relationship issues because they or, were home for a while and then whenever they left they were getting ready to go again their significant other because this can be male or female yeah did not well, hey i liked having you home why can't you just stay home i don't understand what's so important about that well that's exactly it it's more it's not just the, well, it's, it's, the, the supportive it's, it's you have to have somebody who understands yeah and it's not That's just relationships that will fall apart. Oh, friendships will fall apart. Family will fall apart. Well, I mean, it just, just different aspects of life yep. will fall apart if a musician doesn't get to play. Yep. Oh. Crap. Uh-oh. <laughs> what you just think? <laughs> well, now I know why right. there's so much garbage going on with my life I was right getting now. ready to say, <laughs> did you just have a revelation? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, I may have to pack the kid up and take it home. Well, were you gonna say? <laughs> I may need some help subflooring the attic. Uh, okay, but yeah, but it's just it's one of those things that I, I I find that there was a when I was with that the the the, the ex the fiance. Yeah, there was a point where my playing music and it wasn't necessarily me playing <clears throat> out. It was me playing music Period. became yeah. an issue, and I stopped playing for about six months. And it was one of those things that I mean, we we argued and argued and argued and argued. And it's funny because like, whenever I started playing again, it was funny because like that band when I, when we met, you know, when I was playing yeah. with Tony. I guarantee you, if I were to talk to her even today, and that's been a long time ago, uh, was it twenty-seven-ish years it's, ago? It's been a bunch of years. Yeah, yeah. almost twenty-seven years ago. And that happened. Yeah, she would still to this day say that the band was a big reason we broke up. And I'm like, no, there were a lot of other reasons why we broke up. The band was just kind of a I cannot. That take, was your straw. I can't take not playing any longer. Yeah. And I really threw myself into it of this is something I enjoyed doing. I don't understand. You said you were okay with it. Yeah. Why is this becoming a problem all of a sudden? Now, there were, again, there was a whole lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. I had known for a while that I was not in the place that I needed to be with her, that we were not getting married, that, you know, I mean, it was just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and also just being young. I was 20 years old, for goodness sake. When, you know, I mean, and it's like, no, when you're 20, I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. I had, like, my parents, there my are, mom was 18. Like, literally, my mom graduated high school in May and got married in August. There are people that are capable of doing right. that. Right. And they've been together. It'll be 50 years here in just a couple months. They've and been together. then there are people like us that that should not have gotten married before we were 30. <laughs> well, I got married about three months before I turned 30. 
<laughs> the first time. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that I probably shouldn't have got married before I was 40. <laughs> and, and then there are some people that probably shouldn't be married. Yeah, and there's that too. And I'm starting to think I'm one of those people. Um, you never know. There may be another, another weirdo like you out there. <laughs> Believe me. I have that on my dating profile, and I'm looking for my weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, like, uh, a, a, a woman that I met on there who I'm still friends with said that was, like, one of the reasons that she that she thought was fun, that she found me interesting. <laughs> it was like, you said you were looking for your weirdo. I'm like, I, I am looking for my weirdo. That's, that's the whole thing, you know? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's just it's, it is what it is you know it's one of those things especially now at our age it's one of those things where i'm like look i want to play i the the years of thinking i'm going to make it are way behind me okay if the let's, let's go this the the, if, the touring if, part are way is way behind me at this point and the touring unless, part of it would be fun unless unless you could do the money on, the yeah. money got together right to where it's like okay fine you mean i can just do this all right fine which is still one of those things that most people here, – here's another piece of advice for people, you know, of any age who's, some, who's playing If music. somebody offers you a record contract, say take, no. Take it to a lawyer. Yeah, well. A good lawyer. Th- not, this is what I'm talking about. Don't call Saul. There is a lot of money to be made in the music, in the music business, okay? Yeah. The – but – you have to kind of resign yourself to where you are in order to make it. Does that make sense? Like, well, for one thing, you or I are never going to make money here in Nashville playing music. No. Because for one thing, we don't play country music. For another thing, neither one of us want to set a foot anywhere near Broadway to do that well, kind there's of another, stuff. There's another reason. Uh, there are everybody in town is everybody a plays world also yeah no everybody in town is a world class oh, musician I know, I know I know the guy that's serving you your coffee at Starbucks oh I know is, is, is better than you'll ever be <laughs> probably a Berkeley School of Music graduate that moved to town to do songwriting right. and publishing but but I, I was getting more into the you and I are never going to play the game to make money in this town no. however outside of here and it's like a, a friend of mine said one time like. Years ago, well, a decade ago, it was uh, before it was it was my bachelor party before I got married. Okay, we were up in uh, Indiana, in Southern Indiana, at a casino, sitting at blackjack tables playing, and they were and they it was a Saturday night. Yeah, and this band came on and started playing behind. You know, they were they were literally like right behind us on the stage playing. You know, and it wasn't overbearing like yeah whatever, but it was one of those things where I'm like. These guys are not good. Like, there were like it was literally one of those things. I forget what song they were doing. This one song, and like, I don't know what the lead singer was singing, but it wasn't the melody line. You know, I mean, it was like, you're there's something missing here. You know, there's a guitar yeah. part that's missing. There's this that's missing. There's blah 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 blah. You know, yeah. It's like no, they missed that change. They did. You know, it was just kind of one of those things. And then they they left, and another band came on, and it was the same thing. Yeah. And I was like. I know these guys are getting paid good money to be here tonight at this casino to play. Yeah. You know? And we even walked past another band that was playing at one of the bars, like, inside the hotel. And it was another one of those things where I was man, these guys are not good. You know, their lead singer was pretty decent, but the band itself was like, they weren't tight. They weren't, I mean, they were just like, oh, you know? 
And Andy reminded me. He was like, dude, he's like, we live in Nashville. He's like, you get 50 miles outside of Nashville, these guys are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you're and not it's wrong. one of those things that like that stuck with me. I was like, you know, you're right. Fifty miles outside of Ma- of Nashville, we'd probably be rock gods. <laughs> well, it's like I was saying, everybody in Nashville is a exactly. world class musician. And that's the whole thing. You have such a concentration of stellar musicians and songwriters, and you get, and you get spoiled. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. You get spoiled of like literally, like you said. I can we can go in. We can walk into any bar downtown in Nashville. Yeah, and see professional level musicians playing you don't we don't even have to go to a bar downtown well, Nashville. I'm just, or anywhere in the surrounding area i mean it's if like, we step outside here and go we, over here and, to D's, and we listen you know? hard enough if, oh, yeah. we, if we hear a guitar tone somewhere somewhere I we know. can walk over to somebody's garage and watch professional right music exactly right now. And, and that's kind of the living here growing up here yeah you get spoiled to that quite a bit you know well, and so what's hard for uh, me is you know Every bar here in Nashville, every it, and you're talking like that 50 mile radius, right? Does you know if they've got a if it's a restaurant and a bar, the bar on the weekends almost always has, you know, a, a singer songwriter type right. thing, right? And if I walk in and I hear them and I can't take what they're doing, I'll turn around, walk out, and we're gonna go somewhere else right. for dinner, right? It drives, and that's it's it, you're spoiled with that. Of, because because it's, the entire it's like, time, hey, yeah, I can go right down the street and find somebody who's better than this. You the, know? The, and and it, it's a double-edged sword because if I walk in and I hear them and they're good, if I stay and eat, I'm taking a chance on not really catching myself, but sitting in the back of the room singing harmonies right. with them. And they usually don't mind that, though. So it's <laughs> usually. Yeah, but you don't want to. I know, I know. You don't want to interrupt. Hey, even though I, I've seen people call people up on stage to sing with them. Like that kind of. I heard somebody singing harmony. He was doing it. Come here, I got a mic. Yeah, you know, tight. You know, and that's another thing that, as cutthroat as Nashville can be, it's really funny to see how like supportive, supportive everybody of everybody really is. Yeah. It's like once you get into the business side of it, it really gets cutthroat. Yeah. Or actually, once you get into the industry side yeah, of it, yeah, it gets real cutthroat. Dude, I watched a guy the other day. It was a and it was a random again YouTube rabbit hole. I was watching something and then like this one popped yeah. up i'm like oh blah, blah and it was a guy i think he was out of atlanta he's a music producer and he was talking about the difference between the music business and the music industry and he's like what i do is music business yeah he's like you want to <clears> make money you want to get in here and you want to do this and you know and you want to make you actually want to make money doing this to where you can quit your job and like i said because this is music business music yeah. industry is all that fame and crap that everybody you know type stuff he's like you get over there he's like i don't want anything to do with you whatsoever yeah and he's like i he's like i i that that's a trap that you're never going to get you're never going to get out of you know yep. and i was like that's the best way i've ever heard that explained <laughs> yeah but that's what it gets to talking about in the music business wherever you are you can find some place where you can go and play and get a steady you know, you're going to have to do requests more than likely. You're going to have to you're do requests. You better have a big songbook. Big songbook. And you either going to need to take an iPad with you mm-hmm. with that list of songs because you're going to have to on the fly, on the fly, a lot pick, of times, or you're going to yeah. have to actually take. I saw one guy. Guy was amazing, but mm-hmm. he had an actual book, book yeah. with the songs in it. 
Well, you know, Bob Dylan has a book like that that he carries with him on tour. It's got all of his song lyrics in it. Well, he's written so many, it'd be impossible yeah, for him to remember them all. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, he legitimately, like, because I forget who it was. I forget who it was. I was here talking about that. I think it was Don Was was what it, who who it was. It was like he was doing a live album for Dylan, you know. And it was one of those things that they had decided, you know, what kind of what songs they wanted to put on the live album. Yeah. And they recorded it over several concerts, you know. Um, and but it, he said that Dylan had this book on the stage. Yeah. That if he couldn't remember, like when they were like, "Oh, we're going to do this song," and he couldn't remember, he would go over and look it up and look at the lyrics, and then it's like, and I get that. I mean, of course, I I'm not on Dylan's level of songwriting nor if I've written that many songs no. but I did whenever I was recording some of that stuff that I, I let you listen to which are songs from 20 plus years ago yeah I had to go back and pull out old notebooks of like I know I have the lyrics for this written around somewhere because I could remember the first verse I could remember the, the chorus in the last verse but I couldn't remember the second verse yep and like I tried I racked my brain and racked my brain and racked my brain and I was like okay I know it's in one of these two books, and like I sat there and went through. Like, <laughs> and what was funny in doing that, I actually found like original. Like, oh, this is when I wrote this song. Yeah, and look at it like, oh wow, lyrics have changed since then. <laughs> you know, type stuff on a couple other songs. You oh know, yeah, that it was just like, all right, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, that again, that's the whole. That's the hard copy that I have. Are these? I've got like stacks of notebooks that is just full of of, of music of, of lyrics, most of which are not good. I'll admit. You know, I mean, it's just like oh, I've got. I'm sure packed up in all the boxes that I've got laid around my house at this point. There are probably notebooks and notebooks of mm-hmm. terrible teenage angst, oh, yeah. garbage oh, yeah. lyrics laying around. But somewhere. it's funny at the same time. Like I have. Several lyrics that like that I wrote down, yeah, way back when. That a couple of lines, I'm like, I want to use that again somewhere. Like I yeah. don't like how it came out over here, but I think this line would work somewhere. That I still every once in a while will try to work those work a line yeah. or two into something I'm working on. But I mean, you know? you've it's got a, ideas from oh, yeah. back past that you oh, can geez. work into something I've got else. Stuff later all the way on. back to when I was a teenager, you know, that I'm like. You know, it's like, like 18, 19 years old. And it's funny to go back and read that stuff because, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's like with video work for me. Yeah. I, you know, I like doing video. I enjoy doing video. My thing is I like to do editing. But I can't ever write a, I can't write a movie. I've been trying to write a movie forever. <laughs> I'm good I, at writing scenes from movies. I'm not good at putting them see, all that, together. No, that's what, <laughs> I have ideas for right. like how I've got this scene. I know exactly right. how it should right. how it's it should be shot and how the look should be and how this should be and what the transition on this would be. I have zero storyline to go I behind know, it. I know, I know. It's like having a course without a you know Dude, verse you series. Know, you know what's funny about that though is that there are there are a lot of songs out there that if you start singing the like the chorus, everybody will join in, but no one knows the lyrics to the verses. Or it's it's like okay, I'll tell you the first uh, uh, the first thing that popped in my mind is that, um, and of course now I can't remember the name of the yeah. song, but it, and it's not even that so much as it's a lot of it has to do with oh somebody wrote a great chorus. And then they went back and tried to write verses, and the yeah. verses are nowhere near as good as the chorus. Um, yeah. uh, that My Chemical Romance song. Um, Which one? 
um, Helena. Okay. Okay. Great. Like the the way that that song crescendos into the the, the chorus. Yeah. Awesome. The rest of that song's a mess. I mean, it is a mess, like you wouldn't believe. Like, it's frantic. Like, the verses are real frantic and all that. And then it yeah. just goes into this nice, you know. And I always thought that with that song. I was like, man, I guarantee you they wrote that chorus. It was like, oh, this is a great chorus. We got to do something with it. And they, can, they never could figure out yeah. exactly. And it was kind of one of those things, okay, we got to get this on album. We got to get this on album. And that's what they wound up with. Well, you know, I'll have, like, a verse here. Right. And I'll have a chorus here. And, or I'll have, like, a bridge and nothing none of it ever goes together and it's the most frustrating i don't it's like having a 300 piece puzzle and only about 150 pieces you know song we get in songwriting and that's a whole other thing you know i i have often said and i'm not saying this as oh look how great i am i've often said i'm an okay singer i'm a passable singer i'm a pretty good guitarist but I'm a really good songwriter. Like, if you ever asked me to break down, you know, this kind of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And like I said, I have notebooks and albums of notebooks of crap. But when I hit on one, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. You know, I mean, I've got I've got five or six songs that I play for somebody, and they're like, dude, I can hear that on the radio. That's awesome. That's you know, why, yeah. why didn't you ever do anything with this? Blah 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 blah, blah you know, type stuff. But the thing is, is that, again, I might write a hundred songs before I hit one that's partially good. Not even fully good, partially good. And I've found for me in the, in the song, in the process of writing, if I, as a general rule, if, if I don't get it all when I sit down initially and work on something, it never gets finished because whatever it was that, it, that got me there ran out. Yeah, and I don't know where you know, and I've let other people even like look. Like, what about this? What about? Okay, can you look at this? But and it just never comes back right for me, you know. Now there are yeah, there you've handed me some been, stuff like yeah, that. and, and I have, and sometimes there's been once or twice you're like yeah that works right yeah, and it's not that anything that y'all oh well you know Dave's not as good a songwriter no it has nothing to do with that it's just it just didn't work it didn't fit what it didn't was fit the there. whole right yeah. exactly you know Dave and I did write a song together years ago. And I think it's actually a pretty good song. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't something this. in the air. Oh, that's yeah, right. You yeah. know, and it was one that you can't like. I remember we were at the house that your mom's selling. Now we were sitting up in your bedroom. Yeah, this was in the late nineties, and I was actually supposed to go meet my girlfriend and somebody else that night. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, Dave and I are hanging out. I'll be over there after we're done." And we were sitting there, and I had your because you had that. Um, that that Mexican um, strat oh, at the time. Yeah. No, actually, it was uh, it wasn't Mexican. It was, was it Korean. It was it, 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 it was, was a, a decent one. It was it was it was a it was a Mexican strat. Yeah, it was it was a good Mexican strat on top of it. It had a, it had a really really great C shaped maple neck on it. I <laughs> loved. That's the one that got stolen in the break yeah, in down at the farm. And so we were sitting there, and I would just like started strumming on some chords or whatever. And you're like, wait a second. And you went and got your book. Yeah. And you had a verse. Actually, you had two verses. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's okay. Yeah, you know. And it was one of those things that we sat there and we we sat there and wrote. And I and I I had well, I got something. I came up with this with the third verse yeah. uh, for it. 
And I remember we had like a squabble over the the course. The, no, it was on the bridge. Yeah, it doesn't have a yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like no. And I get what I get what you were saying because you said well, it doesn't really fit the song. And I was like, well, but blah, 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 you know. And so the thing is, is that in the the years after that, I went back and rewrote that bridge, and brought it closer to yeah, you know, because it was one of the, like okay, I get it, you know, I, I get, but but it does dovetail dovetail nicely into that last verse. But again, that was that that last verse that I put on that song was something that had been in my head for a while. Yeah. The the especially the the, the opening lyrics to it, and for a couple for a couple of years at that point, and so it was one of those things that all of a sudden I was like, "This will work." <laughs> yep. And it worked nicely, you know. <clears throat> and uh, we really need to record that song one of these days. I'm so it's going <laughs> to have to completely relearn it because I'd forgotten we'd even done that. I know, but that's that's going back a lot of years. But it is one of those things where it's like, no, I that was. We, uh, I think you got in trouble with your girlfriend that night because didn't we finish I, up until like. It was later, and then I went over there and. Don't worry, we worked it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was more information than I needed. Uh, by the time I got there, she was pretty drunk. So it was a. Uh, um, but it was just, it was just one of those things that again, that moment of yeah. sitting in that and literally like sitting in your bedroom with the windows open yeah, and you had uh, a couple of candles burning or whatever, and we weren't drinking, we weren't doing anything. We were just sitting there and you know, with the, the night, it was a night almost like tonight. Yeah. It wasn't this hot. It wasn't this hot, but it was, it was in the springtime. Yeah. And it was one of those things where we were just kind of like, okay, I started doing those, those. Probably that giant set of wind chimes that mom had yeah. hanging out in the yard. Was and you know, I just rolling. started strumming on those chords and you were yeah. like, wait a second, I got something for that. I think I got something for that. Yeah. There it is. And there it was, you know, and it's like, it's funny how inspiration all of a sudden, you know, now, 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 now and here's you, a lesson. <laughs> Songwriting by yourself is fun. Songwriting with a bunch of other people is it's more productive. Frustrating as all hell sometimes too. Well, so you, no, it absolutely <laughs> is, but you get good stuff out of you the do. friction sometimes, between. Sometimes I, I, I have had good songwriting sessions sessions with other people and i have had bad. where i want to pick up this car and beat some this guitar and beat somebody outside the head yeah. with it type stuff uh and i've also had the i'm just not feeling this 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 sometimes is it just not doesn't working, work you know um probably one of the best co-writes i ever did i will never hear that song again really yeah i wrote it with this this girl that i met this would have been 2000-ish, somewhere around in there. Yeah. Um, 2000, 2001, somewhere. I don't know. I, th- I want to say it might have been an early 2001. I was hanging out up at um, a place in Hendersonville. I used to hang out uh, up next to the lake. Um, Where the lighthouse is yeah, now? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the basement, yeah, down in the underside, whatever. Yeah. And met this this girl. She was a friend of a friend. It's where we always went to go do karaoke. Yeah, we used to. But I was I was sitting there talking to her one night. Dude, and, I haven't done karaoke forever. We were we were. I remember her name was Allie, and we sat there and we talked and we talked all night, you know. And it was kind of one of those things. She gave me her phone number. She because we were talking because she was a a singer. Yeah, she was country, you know, type stuff. Yeah. She was a good singer. Don't get me wrong, you know. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. She was probably 21, 22, 23 years old, you know, somewhere in there. And it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, well, we got to get together and you know, write sometime, you know. And <laughs> watch her stupid number. Um, and and so, so like, I come back, like, a couple days later, and she comes in, and she's kind of mad. She's like, you never called me. I was like, look, I'm sorry. I... 
legitimately lost your number. These are the days before cell phones. No, you, you know, didn't, and you that didn't kind of lose stuff. it. You left it in your pocket and you washed it. And I jeans. washed. I know. And it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. And she was like, "Okay, I'm giving you my number again, but you better call me." So I called her the next day. Yeah. All right. And I'm like, "Hey, um, what are you doing?" She's like, "Oh yeah, you know, blah blah blah." And she's like, "Yeah, I can come to your place, you know, whatever." I'm like, "All right, that's cool." And so we sat in the living room of my house. Yeah. Back, back then, you know. And I and she was like, I don't know, blah blah blah. And we sat and wrote this country ballad, you know, the two of us. Of, you know, it was one of those things that I contributed all the music to it. She pretty much did all the lyrics and, and everything. Yeah. And it was one of those things that like we I only re- only thing we had to record on. I had a little like handheld tape recorder. Yeah. You know, and so like I legitimately like all right, you know, turned the tape on and, and she sang and, and you know and and I played and everything and it, it was well enough to where you could do whatever so it was one of those things that like she took off with it you know which i was like all right whatever i didn't think anything of it yeah and then it was the next night it was the next night or the next night we were at back over there again and i was sitting with her and one of her friends and she was and her friend was like she let me hear that song you guys wrote that is amazing like i mean just really you know and everything yeah and then so I guess she was probably in her. She was probably about twenty one or so. Anyways, she left and went back to school, which was Mississippi State. I remember that, and I have never seen or heard from her again. <laughs> hey, if now, you're listening, I have never heard that song on the radio either. So there's. <laughs> if you're listening, we need the tape back. Yeah, I'm not. Or at least about a copy. It. That of it. was twenty twenty ish years ago, you know. Yeah. But I've thought about that a lot. It's like I wonder if she ever like actually recorded that song or yeah, yeah. you know passed it on to somebody or whatever and you know it's uh um but again it was it was kind of one of those i had an idea and she had an idea and we just yep you know we had good chemistry working together you know and um but then she left town and that's it you know I've written with other. I let you hear that one song that you know me, and oh, yeah. Chris, and and Liddy, uh, Livia wrote, and you know, it's a good song. It's not my type of song. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that like, as like I told you, I'm like, let somebody who is in this genre, who see, who like actually like sings this genre stuff, do it. Yeah, I bet it turns out well. It's not for me by any stretch of the imagination this was chris wanted a copy of it so i recorded a copy of it and i'm like okay you go do with it whatever you're gonna do you know <laughs> it's like and uh okay it's not here take it get out yeah of here. and it was also and, and also here's another get out of here kid here's another thing yeah dave and i have talked about this some before but and dave has seen me do this especially in recent years more times than he could probably count as i've gotten older Music and I have had a contemptuous relationship. <laughs> You've talked about this a bunch. And I legitimately will, like, be, you know, pick up my guitar and start playing or something, and I'll come up with something, like, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, okay, damn it, I don't want to write a song tonight. <laughs> and, like, we'll, like, cuss and throw stuff across the room and and, just, and finally pick up my pen and, and get my pad and paper and start and I'm like I'm like writing angry and just you know, just <laughs> and it's and it's the like that you got a hold so, of him and would not let him it's go it's like that so many times for me now that I, and I don't understand it I finally started understanding why 
Okay, this is, is because this is new information. The last, and it was one of the last newer songs that I wrote of probably this time last year that I finally started understanding. Okay, what that frustration was. It's the. Why I've didn't written, this happen this to me sooner? I, no, I've written a handful of songs in the last couple of years, new songs, which is something I haven't done in a long time. Yeah. And I look at those songs and go, there's something missing here. Like, there's something like, I don't like my vocals on it. I don't like the whatever it is here or there, that kind of stuff. And so it's one of those things where, like, I found, I was like, it finally one night, I was like, I get it. Because I was starting to write something down, and I was I was kind of singing along. I was like, I don't like the yeah. melody, but I can't come up with anything else right now. And, yeah. Yeah, and so it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, I get it. I'm finally getting, the muse is finally striking me here. And I don't feel like I'm doing, I, I don't feel like I'm doing my best on this. Yeah. And so, therefore, it's that frustration of I don't want to not do this the best that I can. And so, it's that if it's, it's that whole if I can't do this the best, yeah. then I'm not going to do it at all, you know, type thing. So it's I know, I know, it's just get it down. I know, and rework it later. I know, and that's what I have to tell myself. So just get it down. You can go back. You can't. And, and that's another thing. I'm I'm really bad about being married to a melody on something like when right when i come up with a melody that's actually one of your weaknesses is because you'll get and locked in on something and you will not let it go even if there's something better laying i know there. and it's still one of those things that's like because and it's not necessarily a no this is a melody i wrote and this is what i'm going for it's the fact that i can't hear any other melody besides the one that i wrote yeah you know it's like and sometimes you get mad at people who can hear another melody and try to show it to you and you're like no that's not right either well, and if I'm, I'm like, doing that, that's because I like the melody that it's one that I'm singing. <laughs> uh, you, you've done. You have looked me in the face a couple times and been like, "I hate what I've got. Yeah, I don't like what you have either." And I'm like, "Okay, uh-huh. well, there you go. I don't like either one of them, and it's nothing personal to you. You know, it's just I. You didn't bring anything better to the table, so. <laughs> well, fine. Bar- Do better, <laughs> Bar- Barry. If you're listening to this, yeah, you may probably got a weird email. Um, like what is this? Like two days ago, <laughs> um, you've now been added to the uh, band uh, Gmail. Uh, yeah, folder the drive. Yeah, well, the there's Google a, Drive. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in there. So, and I'm going to th- drop some more stuff in there because. Have you seen how much stuff is in there? Yeah, I know. I need to go in and clean some of it out. So don't clean it out. Just put it in folders. Okay. Try to organize some of it because there are ideas in there. But yeah, I, I know we've been going on for almost an hour and a half now. Yeah, uh, about about music, and it's one of the things. Yeah, we've really never done a, a whole episode like we've we've. We've touched on some of this stuff in, yeah. in episodes before. You know, oh, by things. the way, if you're going to be in a band, eventually there will be a violent fist fight that breaks out yes. amongst you and oh. the other members. That's going to happen. Let me give you a piece of advice. Go and purchase a book called The Cheese Chronicles, The True Story of a Rock and Roll Band You've Never Heard Of by Tommy Womack. Yeah. Because everything that can and will happen to you while you're playing in a band, he outlines in this. Yeah. And I mean everything uh it's also with one the, of the exception most, of getting to play at cbgb's well that, you're not going to get that now since it's not yeah. there anymore but i'm just talking about it's one of those things of like he has some of the best description and also tommy's been playing what 50 years now close to it feels like it uh, well i guess 40 they got 
Cheese got started in the early 80s, didn't they? 82, 83, somewhere around in it's there. It's been a while since I've read the So book, it's coming so up on Buff. I think, it, actually, you know what? They're getting ready to have their 40th anniversary. Is that I what take it is? that back. Because I, I, I didn't it, see it's, something. It's really weird reading the book because I'm from that area. You know area. all those places, I know. You know, I was born in, in that area of right. Kentucky in a little town well, just over from there. Not only so. that, but they also, because, you know, that book, all of those experiences that they had here in Nashville, because they played Nashville yeah. a lot back then were in the mid to late 80s to early 90s and it's like oh yeah. i remember that place i remember that place i remember this yeah. and that you know oh we went of, to that place yeah you yeah. know and, and so that's that's always really neat too to but i do i highly suggest because first off tommy womack is a, he's a wonderful writer um he, he he is one of the most entertaining writers i think i've ever i've ever read of just like no there's something on every page that you're going to enjoy you know yeah. and, and he knows he knows how to he knows how to spin a yarn. He knows how to spin a yarn. He knows how to to grab he's, your attention and not let you not let you let he's go. You def, know? Definitely a Kentucky yarn yeah. spinner. And he's he's a great musician as well. You know, he's played with he played with Gilmer Cheese. He played with the Biscuits. He played with he's Daddy. Got, he, he, Daddy, yeah, yeah, oh, the I band Daddy. About Daddy it was him and Will Kimbrough, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then he's also done a ton of his solo stuff. And he he's just a great musician and he's a good songwriter and. Uh, I've met him. He's a really nice guy on top of it all. And so, I mean, it's just uh, go and buy that book if you're interested in music because it will give you everything that you need to know about being in a band. Yeah. Believe me. Um, and, and it's funny. <laughs> There's a lot of comedy in that book on oh, top yeah. of it all. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there is. There's, there's going to be fights. There's going to there's gonna be arguments. There's going to be physical fights. There's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be a, there is going to be times that the only time you talk to people is when you're on stage with them. Yeah. And that, you know, there is going to be, prime example, you go back and and there, there has got to be a book or something about, if there's not, there needs to be a book or a documentary about Lollapalooza. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Especially that first Lollapalooza, because you know the headliners on that was Jane's Addiction. Yeah, that was when da- Jane's Addiction broke up. Was right after that because Dave Navarro and Perry Farrell were at each other's throats. Literally, there were stories of them getting into fights. Yeah, on the side of the stage before they went on. I mean, like full on physical, like throwing punches at each other. They went out on stage and played for an hour and came off stage and started the fight up immediately yeah. as soon as they stepped off well, stage. I mean, everybody knows about the Oasis story. Yeah. 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 The brothers. <laughs> There's no fight like a family fight. Okay? Yeah. It's <laughs> well, if you want to get that, the kinks. The kinks, the yeah. same way. CCR. There, there are plenty of, of those uh, black crows. <laughs> yeah. There are plenty of... <laughs> which, which, at this point, I love the black crows. I do, too. I love... I love the Steve Gorman Black Crows. Right, right. Um, you know, Southern Harmonies is just Dude. one of that, that album. Robin Ford, oh. that guitar player that they brought on for that man. That, oh, they, yeah. that 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 version, that lineup of the Black Crows, I would honestly say is probably their best. But this new iteration well, of the it's Black the Robinson Crows, brothers and some guys. All I gotta say about them. that is, you know, screw you, Robinson Brothers. Well, you know, Gorman was with them for a long time, but they had a rotating cast of guitarists and bass players yeah. that came through that band. But Gorman that, was Gorman right. and the the Robinson brother that plays guitar. I can't think of his first Rich. name, or Rich. Mm. Those two were were the ones that made up the sound of that band. Mm-hmm. And all I'm gonna say is Gorman's from Bowling Green. Yeah, 
you know. Yeah, he, I know. he comes out of that that well, South Central Kentucky. But you know, he's got his sports show now, and you know, that's he's well, been, he's got a new band. Oh, he does. Um, yeah, he does. It's uh, what he is, needs to write a book. That's uh, I think it's Trigger Hippie. I don't know. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. It, but yeah, that I'll tell you one of the funniest in the late '90s. Um, I want to say it was '99. Maybe it was 2000. The Black Crows and Oasis went on tour together. It was called the Brotherly Love Tour. <laughs> yeah, the, Steve Gorman is playing drums for a band called Trigger Hippie. Okay. As in Trigger of a Gun, right. gun and a Hippie. Hip, hippie. Yeah. Um, and I've heard some of the stuff. It's, it's not bad. Yeah, I'll have to check them out. So anyways, now that we've talked for an hour and a half, if you love music, man, just play. Just play. Yeah. And... You know, if if you if you're not, don't give up. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Because yeah. believe me, everybody started somewhere. Believe it or not, Eric Clapton was terrible at guitar the first time he picked it up. Okay, uh, but you know, everybody talks about Clapton. I, I'm not a big Clapton fan, but I'm just using that as there's the, a, there's a story where there was a. a Magazine guy asked Clapton, "What's it like to be the best guitar player in the world?" I don't world. know. Ask Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. No, actually, what he says was, "I have no idea." Ask Prince. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I've heard that story several different ways. I've heard Prince. I've heard Jimi Hendrix. I've heard. I'm sure that's an apocryphal story, but if, if you uh, want to get an idea of Prince, dude, go watch the George Harrison oh, Hall of Fame induction song where or, my guitar gently weeps. Yeah. And Prince just walks in, walks on stage, in a pimp, in a red pimp suit and a yep. pimp and a hat, a, fed, a red fedora with a with a feather in it, and basically tells Tom Petty <laughs> and uh, who all was in that band? It's Tom Petty. Well, George Harrison's son is playing. George Harrison's son and um, who else is in that? Uh, oh, uh, the dude it's, from ELO, um, Jeff uh, Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn basically says, "Get out of my way." And what's really fun about that is not only is he throwing down and just really, it's fun to watch um, Harrison's son it's watching just him play. A, just amazed. Because he's just got this huge grin on his face of like, am I really on stage watching like during this happening? It is amazing. He and comes, even Tom Petty, when he comes walking on to start playing that guitar solo, and when he starts playing, Tom Petty even is like singing, and he just like looks over with this like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and what what's funny is I watched a watched a interview mm-hmm. of where the producer was actually talking about that. Yeah. And they had kind of worked it out. Um something happened they weren't able to rehearse it. When they came back to the, you know, it was like, okay, you take that solo. Right, um, right. Well they were going to have George's band's guitar player right. you know, take the first solo and then Prince was going to take the next one and somebody was going to take well, the George's guitar player took the first solo, and it came back, and he took the second one. And Prince, you know, you see Prince step forward to take it, and he mm. realizes what happened, so he just kind of steps back, and he's like, mm-hmm, "I mm. see you." Mm. And then he comes back up and eases into it, and then by the time the song's over, he has scorched oh, yeah. the stage. Oh yeah, it he has scorched earth. Like he you has scorched believe. the audience. Right. And if you watch the video at the end of the song, he takes his guitar and he throws it straight up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it disappears. I know. I know. The guitar. Know. Tom Petty. They interviewed him. He's yeah. like, I still have no idea where that guitar I know. went. I know. He's yeah. His guy caught it and then then brings it, gets it back to him. 
You know, it's like, oh, actually, that no, was the that, very end that of it. That was the very end of it. He threw it straight up in the air. He throws and then, a guitar straight up in the air and walks off stage, and everybody's looking up like, where, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, another story that goes with that is that the year, the year that that happened, um, and the and the reason that Prince is playing up there on that stage, um, Rolling Stone magazine did a like hundred greatest guitarists yeah. or something like that. Prince wasn't on that list at all. Yeah, and that year at the Rock Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the founder of Rolling Stone magazine, um, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, was inducted under like the contributors you know type thing or you know for all this stuff and prince made sure that he was playing that night yeah as a oh you don't think i'm one of the 100 best guitar players of all time yeah let me show you (laughs) i mean it was fairly (laughs) and it's funny because that's the thing that people always go back to with everybody, somebody's a Prince guitar player. Go watch when they that while my guitar gently weeps. That George Harrison tribute. The, everybody goes back to that of like he just lays into it and that's it. It's like yeah, I remember the first time I heard "Let's Go Crazy." Yeah, back you know when I was ten years old when that was you that, know, that guitar was solo at the end. Yeah, and I remember then going that you don't hear that in this type of song. You know, like th- this is a pop song. This is a you know even then at that point of going yeah. You, you hear that in like rock songs. You don't hear that in well. I mean, you it, know, and if then, you go back and watch uh, Purple Rain. Oh yeah, you know they shot all those concert scenes live. Oh yeah. oh yeah, they had a truck outside the club and they were recording all the scenes in the music live. That Purple Rain solo, mm-hmm. there is video somewhere on YouTube of him play, of the, doing the entire thing of I know. the entire I solo. Know. They had to cut that thing down to oh, make it radio. Friendly. Oh, I know because I think it went on like five it, or yeah, six that's, minutes, and that's and the best parts of the solo didn't even make it into the song. Right, right. I mean, it's insane. And that's a uh, you know, Prince has been gone five years now, which is hard to imagine. I, I and, will uh, say, I'm. I'm privileged that I actually yeah, got to I got to see him play live <laughs> on what he was calling at the time his the farewell the I know. farewell tour. Well, that, the whole and thing he, was that he was going to retire all of his old songs. Yeah, and he was only going to do newer songs, which he wound up going back on. But but he did it at Bridgestone. He mm-hmm. did it in the round, mm-hmm. so the band was in the center of the arena. Right, and every single one of the people that was playing with him were players. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. Oh, amazing right and in the middle of the concert evidently the band got tired because he came back out with an acoustic guitar and did a half an hour by himself with the acoustic and that was probably the most amazing part of the show when he did that tour he did like five or six sold out dates in la like at the coliseum and i remember reading a a review of the first night that he played for two and a half hours and then walked off the stage and then came back for an encore and played for another half hour. And then mm-hmm. went off stage, came back for another encore. And I think that was when he did an acoustic deal. Like it was just him yeah. with the, or acoustic or whatever. And then walked off stage and was gone for like half an hour. And they started to turn the lights back up finally. And then he came back out and played for another hour of like. <laughs> well, I, know, I know at the show at Bridgestone. Yeah. 
when it was over, I mean, they brought the lights up and nobody wanted to go home. Right. It was like, oh, right. come on. I know. I mean, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I, that's one. There, there are very few artists that I missed live that I fully regret. Yeah, Prince is on that list. David Bowie's on that list. I would like to put Queen on that list, but the thing is, is that Freddie Mercury died when I was like 17 years old. I had never had a chance to see them live yeah. because I don't think they actually came to the states anytime when I was old enough to actually go see them. You yeah. know, uh, because at that point yeah, Freddie yeah. was really sick and you know that kind of stuff. But you know, and again, Bowie never played here in Nashville that I can remember. Now I know he played in Atlanta and you know a few places around. I could have yeah. traveled to go see. Sure, uh, Prince though. He used to come through here every couple of years. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a, okay, well, you know, Prince is going to come through. And, and that was kind of when he did that last tour, you know, I thought, well, he's not coming to Nashville, but he'll come through you know, eventually. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll come back through here again. It'll be, you know, type thing. And then he was gone. And then he was gone, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I was telling Dave that, you know, <laughs> my funny story about that is that, the tickets had gone on sale for that. They were in Atlanta, which actually worked out to be his final concerts. He did two in the same night. He was doing two. You know, he, would, he would do, it was like an early show and a late show. Yeah. My uh, ex-wife's a huge Prince fan, and she wanted to go, and it was right around our anniversary. And so I tried to get tickets, but because Comcast had shitty internet down at my dad's office, I didn't get the tickets. And uh, it was literally like it was one of those things. I was in the queue to like start buying the tickets and the internet went down and didn't come back up oh i was like you've got to be kidding me and so i wound up not getting the tickets now she wound up getting to go later because one of her friends got tickets yeah and like day of she's like hey i need you to get home because we're getting ready to go to atlanta they got tickets to the last show the 10 o'clock show which wound up being the last show he ever played yeah which is pretty amazing um but at that same time it was like a couple weeks after that tickets went on sale here in Nashville for Guns N' Roses on the Once in a Lifetime tour. Which or, I couldn't get. Yeah. I tried to get But what's funny that. about that is that the tickets went on sale, and then, like, I was, like, I was like I was really ready to go, and she, and she didn't care about going and seeing Guns N' Roses. I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll buy a ticket and go by myself. I have no problem. I've been to plenty of concerts by myself, you know. And it was funny because, like, Brian was there, yeah. you know. And, matter of fact, he was sitting, like, one. It was so funny because when we got there, because it was in Titan, Nissan Stadium, which is huge, holds 70, well, holds more than that because they put people on the field and stuff yeah. down there. But it was one of those things that, like, <clears throat> Brian was in the next section over. My cousin, when I got there, her and her husband were sitting, like, the section right below me. Like, like literally at the, or actually we were in the same section, but they were, but they were further down in the yeah, section. Yeah. Than I, it was funny, like how many people I knew were not only at that show, but around in the same, the same vicinity, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, what was funny is that when I bought the tickets, when I bought the ticket, I should say, and, you know, and she like said something kind of snarky about, yeah, I see how it is. You know, you, you, know, you get tickets to go see Guns N' Roses, but you couldn't get tickets to see Prince. And I was like, okay, first off, Prince will tour again. That's not an issue. Yeah. This might not ever happen again. Okay. Well, now Guns N' Roses is making new music. Well, but here's the thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's funny. Is that, you know, Prince died, you know, yeah. within a couple of months of me making that statement, which she did get to go see him. So, hey. Yeah. 
I went and saw Guns N' Roses in that July or whatever it was, you know, here in Nashville. Well, they came back through in November <laughs> and played at Bridgestone. And then they came back through like two years after that and played at that uh, down in Manchester at that Exit 97 tour. Or whatever oh, down where they do Bonnaroo. Yeah, yeah, but it was that whole like, two day, you know, where they were doing like yeah. all the metal, like the hard rock groups and stuff. So it's like, yeah. So Guns N' Roses came through this area three times. <laughs> See, and, and what, ir- what irritates me to no end is I tried to get tickets to all of them and couldn't get tickets (laughs) yeah i got that was that was the 14 year old me yeah was having the time of his life at that concert (laughs) yeah what about the 40 year old the 40 that was in the 42 year old me was having a great time also (laughs) i mean it was uh but that inner yeah that inner punk kid teenager yeah. was really having a good time at that show the, so the last show that well the last real show that i've been to um i ended up going to by myself and mm-hmm. it was when motley crew came through oh, on yeah, the fell yeah. Fel- Fel- tour yeah they're getting ready to go like tour again yeah so. i know with joan jett yep. and poison and some others but uh, Alice Cooper opened up for him. Love Alice Cooper. And I was so psyched because I had never seen Alice right. Cooper before. And of course, I'm by myself, and, you know, I'm this is going to be a great show. And Alice comes out, and Alice is absolutely ripping the mm-hmm. roof off of Bridgestone. Right. And the audience was treating him like crap. I mean. Was Nina with him at that time? I don't think so. Oh, dude, she is so good. Oh, I know, dude. I she was with him when I saw him a few year, a couple of years ago. Yeah, good. But the audience was wasn't just flat. Mm-hmm. The audience was not existent and somewhat hostile. That doesn't make any sense. No, not I at mean, all. Because th- those those two crowds overlap pretty well. Yeah, you know, that's uh, and I really wish I had been closer, right? You know, for Alice. But that was well, that an amazing was show. After and then Motley Crue came out, and it was a good show, but. Vince was very much looking a little bit like the abominable snowman, and yeah. he nowhere near had the Man, range he, he used to. Vince, Vince needs some help. Vince needs to go see Diamond Dallage Page. He not Diamond only Dallas that, Page, he yeah. needs to. He needs some help on top of it all. Just, yeah. I, I know that they famously got sober in the late '80s, but they didn't stick. You know, and yeah. Vince has been off that wagon for decades. And that has a lot to do with, take it from me, that has a lot to do with affecting your vocals and, yeah. and everything else that goes with it. But um, DDP needs to get a hold of him in the worst way. <laughs> yeah, well. Let's be honest. Again, D- D- DDP needs to get a hold of me in yeah, the worst but, way. You know, is what it's it is, also yeah. one of those things with that kind of stuff where, you know, you. DDP can get, you know, Diamond Dallas Page can get in touch with him. But if he wants the help, it's yeah, no. completely different, you know. So that uh, I don't know the way he way DDP treated uh, Jake the Snake. Dude. He didn't have much of a choice. Yeah, but you know Jake needed that. Yeah, that. that but we're talking about if you've seen the documentary, the resurrection, uh, the resurrection of Jake the Snake. I thought it was the redemption of Jake. Is the it the Snake. redemption of Jake? Look it up. I have yeah. to look it up. Uh, it's a great documentary. Yeah, um, because it's 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 actually a three for. Because you've got Diamond Dallas Page, yeah. you got Jake the Snake, yep. and then towards the end of it, Scott Hall comes into yeah. it as well. The Brooklyn Bruiser, and it is 
Do what? <clears throat> no, no, no. I take I, that was wrong. No, he was the the Duh. the diamond stud in w in in C in WCW, and then he was Razor Ramon. That's it, Razor Ramon. And then he was, then he was yeah. just Scott Hall after yeah. that. So, um, which Scott Hall, he's a he. Just sitting around listening to him talk, he's hysterical. All of those guys, yeah, uh, are. Um, come on, what's the name of that? What is the name of that documentary? Yeah, the Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Okay, the you're, it. Yep. you're right. Uh, but it really does. It, you know, it it's one of those things that Jake famously has had substance abuse issues. You know, and yeah, over the years, and it was kind of him. Someone got in touch with Paige, and him and Paige had been friends for a long time. And well, he's the, he's the one who got Paige. Into yeah, and, and help him, Paige out. Yeah, him, him, and uh, Scott Hall both. Yeah. you know, were really instrumental in Paige becoming a wrestler because he was just like a, a manager for a long time. You know, kind of stuff. Well, but he it's was one also of those, older. He didn't start until he was in his thirty six or something yeah. like that when he like actually got into wrestling. But it was one of those things where he found out that Jake was in a pretty bad state, and so they literally went to Texas and found him and drug his back and brought him back, back to, to Atlanta, Atlanta and said, "We're going to get you straightened up," and because if you don't, you're going to die. Yeah. I mean, just and got him on the right track. Yeah. And then, like I said, was, Scott, and then they got a phone call from Scott Hall's. Was it his? Who was it that called? I, I think it was his daughter or something Maybe. like that. And they got him in there too. And it, and the, the cool thing about it, it's like it's well, not it, in the documentary. That was but, instrumental in getting um, Jake into WWE Hall of well, Fame. Well, that's what I was going to say. What's not in in the documentary? Like they don't show the actual, but it was one of those things that like Jake got into the Hall of Fame the same year that Scott Hall got into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So it was one of those things, and it was right after this, like right after they had gotten on the right path and they would kind of gotten, they gotten their head right and got back into shape. You know, it was, it was, you know, working the program. You know, it was, was, you know, working the program and all that kind of stuff. And it was, hey, this is, this is a great, it's a great outcome is what, it, what happens. Yeah. Because there's too many of those stories with wrestlers, especially the older wrestlers that don't turn out no. Well, in the slightest. Since we since we jumped on the wrestling thing, are you watching Dark Side of the Ring? I need to. Dude, that show they're in the third season now. That show is so good. What's that on again? It's it's on Vice. Okay. I'll have to find a place to watch and it. And it oh dude, it is so good. You know, they did they've done in the past they did one about um they did one about Chris Benoit. Yeah. They did one about the Montreal screw job. They did one about um Oh, they did one about uh, um New Jack. That really? one is crazy. I guess you heard that New Jack died a couple weeks ago, didn't you? No. Yeah. Yeah, he had a heart attack. No. Passed. It's been really funny because usually when like somebody in the wrestling world dies, you see a lot of Yeah, you know. Absolutely. There's been and nothing. There's not been a whole lot. I mean, there's been like in the the circles of people there there's been talk about him, you know, like Paul Heyman even like on WWE, like they're after the this I forget what they call it. It's the I don't know if it's still talking smack or whatever. It's the after show basically yeah. for Smack for SmackDown. He had a pretty good tribute where he talked about meeting meeting him and putting him in an ECW and all that kind of stuff and but it's really kind of been quiet. Like there have been certain people. I'm like, why hadn't this person said something about it? Now, 
New Jack was a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was no ifs, ands, buts about that. No. And you watch that you watch that that dark side of the ring. And of course he's there and he's telling the stories. Yeah. You know, and it's just it's like wow, well, dude. It was like Warrior. Warrior was insane. Yeah. Well, that's the next one. Is is Ultimate Warrior that's oh, really? coming on this next week? Uh, they just did one about the Clash in Korea, which was really wow. you know back in the early nineties yeah. and, and all that. And um, it, it's a great show. Uh, they also have another show that's called Dark Side of Football or something like that. And they're kind of talking to different. That's where I was telling you like the, the whole Chad Johnson and Samari oh, Roll were cousins. Got you, got Because they were they were talking about Chad Johnson, you know, and yeah. and that was a really good episode. Actually, I always liked you know, Chad Johnson. I know, you know, he was. But it was funny because like Mister Ocho Cinco. Yeah, and that was the whole thing he talked about. He's like, you know, he's like all that stuff. And at the very end of the episode, he's like. They asked you like, you know, what do you think about the fact that you know now there's all these these receivers that are doing that are that are allowed to do all these celebrations and stuff. He's like, he's like, I think the NFL owes me a lot of money is what they do <laughs> yeah. from all the fines I had to pay. <laughs> yeah, but you know where he started at and where he ended up at. You know, I know, and it's uh, didn't he at one point change his last to name Ocho Cinco. to Ocho Cinco? They wouldn't let him put Ocho Cinco on the back of his jersey because the NFL has these stupid rules about it. So, so he legally changed his name to Chad Ocho Cinco so it would say Ocho Cinco <laughs> on the back. <laughs> you gotta love it when another football league comes in and screws with the I NFL. Know. I mean, it's just. I wish somebody would do it again. It's funny, but yeah, it's uh, well, you know what they say about the NFL. NFL stands for the No Fun League, or, you know, <laughs> or the Not for Long League, depending, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Now we're we're pushing two hours of us just talking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that this one was as interesting as our conspiracy theory episode, but uh, we'll probably see. not. Yeah. Um, but Thanks yeah, for hanging around, though, guys. Yeah, we're gonna be back. I know after Dave gets all of uh, guys, his stuff taken care of, and, and after, and I'm dealing with end of the school year with my son and he's also getting ready to start some um uh, yeah. uh, summer school stuff as well kind of catch up from yeah all the virtual uh, learning god that's yeah every, it's opened everybody and i think everybody's getting into it yeah so. be patient with us guys we've got some real yeah. life stuff going on and we're we'll try to make the episodes more interesting yeah, I promise. We'll, we'll make them a little more concise anyway let's yeah. put it that way i don't know about interesting i don't know anything is more interesting than the last episode so <laughs> So we started this episode talking about hollow notes. Yeah, Let, let's go out with some oh, hollow notes. Oh, let's man. let's do. I can't go for do that. Do we have to? Yes. All right. Well, I'll put it in here then. All so right. I'm Alan well, Smith. Or I can just do this. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Okay. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, guys, I'm Alan Smith. <laughs> I'm Big Dave, and we'll see you next time. See you. <laughs>